0: Beyond Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Hello, welcome to Beyond NI, Northern Ireland's greatest political podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the SDLP, also known as the Social Democratic and Labour Party of Northern Ireland. And hosted by myself, James Main, and forever my co-host, Matthew Spires.
1: Always happy to be here.
0: The day Matt's not happy to be here is when Beyond NI dies. Colin and I. <laughs> <laughs> That's the day that
1: with a partnership this doesn't work. Like it'll be like a divorce. Very
0: much. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. So yeah, today we're talking about the SDLP, the moderate left-wing nationalist party within Northern Ireland. Um, they used to be the largest nationalist party in Northern Ireland, and alongside the UP, they led the Good Friday Agreement for both sides. But then after after the good Friday agreement and subsequent talks, um, just like the UUP, they lost sway with their electorate and have now become second fiddle in the Nationalist Party ranking behind Sinn Féin. So they're an interesting party to talk about. So I think in today's episode, we're going to talk about the history of the SDLP, their manifesto, what they believe in, where they stand on our left or right scale. We're also going to be then talking about the future of the SDLP, the possible merger talks that have been going in the background for the last year or two with Fianna Foyle, the centre-left party down in the Republic. So I think there's a lot to talk about and a lot to really get into with the SDLP. I think they're a really interesting party. And I think one that's always been um, very fair, I feel like, in opening itself to both sides of the community. Um, Obviously, it has that national nationalist standpoint that they believe in, but uh, definitely the more moderate nationalist party in both a nationalist sense, uh, but maybe not so in the left-wing sense, Matt, as they come out on our scale more left and than Sinn Féin.
1: Yeah, I think that actually, there's not like a national question, and uh, we kind of see it with other parties. I think it affects the way people actually think of them in terms of their ideology. Uh, I think that they sometimes quite unfairly get like Tagged as oh well, they're they're less extreme on the national question, so they're probably less extreme ideologically. When I think the don't know if I would go to say the opposite, as far as to say the opposite is true, but I think it's definitely that they are as left or not, if not, a little bit more left than Sinn Fein are at times. Um, yeah. But
0: but what do you think the main reason for that is? Because when I look at Sinn Fein, uh, not necessarily the Sinn Fein that is in power. But in the wider sort of social circles of Sinn Féin I see a lot more Marxist and socialist imagery and language being used and I don't feel like I see that with the SDLP. I think the SDLP are more you know working within the current system that there is obviously wanting to change it but you know I don't see it in their circles. There is Marxist or there's Marxist streaks as compared to Sinn Féin.
1: Right, no. Uh, I obviously agree with that. I don't think the SDLP. I'm not going to say never, but I don't think they've. I don't think they've had oftentimes where they've indulged in any kind of Marxist or or socialist or like purely socialist thought um, in their history. But I think they definitely they profit from not obviously being in power. I mean, we've talked about it before where Sinn Fein's left ideals can sometimes be curtailed by them being in power, having to forego some of their maybe more extreme ideas just by the fact that they're so uh, large and storming. And then also SDLP can kind of come through and be a little let, little more free with what they say. They can take that more hard stance. They can take a, a harder stance on uh, issues, which Sinn Féin maybe can't due to their possession of power. Um, also, I think uh, SDLP, don't. their ideology isn't in like a vacuum. They, they see the ideology which works for Sinn Féin and they can kind of play against that. They can say, all right, this is where you go on certain issues, but we can go one further, or we can maybe go, um, we, we can maybe mimic you on some grounds. So you could say that they maybe have um, replicated them, a Sinn Féin position on some some things possibly. Maybe they've they've seen the way that, where Sinn Féin's policies work and they've just, I don't want to say copied it, but more the idea that they've accepted what the political landscape is like and tried to adapt to that.
0: Yeah, definitely definitely because if we look at some of the manifesto points that the SDLP had in their last couple of manifestos we, we see points such as ending austerity, you know what else opposing xenophobia, transphobia, LGBT equality they they, they sit very very right or very left they sit in the typical moderates you know and but they, they also in in some of the manifesto points, I think they slightly differ in Sinn Féin in a couple of points. When it comes to housing, they say they want to give um, housing, social housing providers more support, while Sinn Féin would want the government themselves to do that job. And it, it, it's small differences like that of where they differ. So how they come out as more left-wing on our scale, I think is primarily determined as what Matt said, is they're simply not in power. I think if they were in power, you would see them be... be be slightly less left. Um, it's a strange one as well because obviously Sinn Fein have that more left wing image, but having to work with the the very right DUP obviously centres them. But the, again, this is what we track in our scale. I just I think we need to remind uh, remind people this. We can only go by what parties say in their manifestos and what they vote for. You know what they what they do and don't. Outside of that realm, we don't really track as of yet. Uh, maybe they don't come out as left, but I, I just feel like that's an important point to reiterate.
1: Yeah, completely. Uh, I do think uh, just to pinpoint on some of the things Chris, they kind of uh, talk about You know, them being more or as left as Sinn Féin, I think they seem to develop a lot more on kind of environmental issues, how they're going to tackle environmental issues, even like an economic sense, how they're going to tackle. Um, you know, an environmental economy. Um, and then that leads on to them how how their economic outlook also kind of differs from Sinn Fein's. We talked about on the Sinn Fein podcast how Sinn Fein looked to reduce wall taxes. They've kind of taken a some right-wing approaches to kind of um, to kind of allow them to have more left-wing approaches in other places. Well, for STLP, I don't think you really see that. I think they talk a little bit about doing some tax reduction in some places, but generally, there's very little right-wing economic thought. They're mostly, they always talk about kind of centrist kind of economic thought or left-wing economic thought in their manifesto. But yeah, I think, yeah, on social issues, they're kind of similar to Sinn Féin in general. Even though I think, I mean, there is the issue, the fact that there is a major one or two issues on things like abortion and the uh, uh, LGBT rights where... I think Sinn Féin have a better public image in terms of how they deal with those social issues, on a left-wing scale than SDLP do, maybe at times. Uh, yeah,
0: because yeah, because I think Sinn Féin are whipped on those on those um, accords and matters, while on the yeah. SDLP, it's up to the individual within the party. Um, obviously, with the heavy undertones of, or <laughs> undertones, <laughs> overtones of religious elements within uh, the North. I feel like that plays maybe more into their into their members. So it's it's that interesting, you know, contrast of, you know, these very left-wing ideologue politicians, but also coming from, you know, slightly more conservative homes and balancing those social issues with yeah. the political. I think that's what SDLP deals with.
1: So I feel like with most parties, James, we kind of uh, we've kind of tried to I don't want to say we try to brand them with an ideology, but we try to figure out. We're trying to like give people a, an idea of what you can call them or what kind of ideas you can associate with, with uh, each party. Um, doing that with SDLP can kind of feel a little bit diff- difficult because they do feel quite at times unique to Northern Ireland, I suppose. But if I were to say something like neoliberal or maybe Scandinavian social democracy, what kind of what kind of thoughts are you kind of thinking whenever I say those ideologies to you in relation to SDLP anyway?
0: If we're talking specifically about the SDLP, I think there is some similarity there. I while they are critical, I think of global capitalism and neoliberal economics. At times, I also think they don't they're critical of it, but they don't shy away from it completely. I think they're willing to work within that environment. And I think a lot of their their core voter base wouldn't be as socialist heavy. Um, definitely there is elements of it in there. I would say. I think the best way to compare it wouldn't be wouldn't be as extreme as Jeremy Corbyn's Labour, but a few shades away from that. I think where they really primarily sit comfortably.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Obviously, not being within par, they they can go whatever they want. It'd be interesting to see when they get into power how they would work and compromise on that, obviously. Yeah, I feel like they're...
1: I, I agree with your st- with your point on that being like, maybe a few shades less than like a Jeremy Corbyn or even with like a, a Social Democratic Party in Scandinavia. Even though I know that they do, they're part of a the their European Parliament position there with the Party of European Socialists. Which is kind of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they're not, whenever they, they say party of European socialists, they're not socialist socialists. They're, they're a little bit lighter than what maybe we would think of socialism here. They're a little bit less extreme than that, but they, they definitely yeah, are I, left-wing, pro-European kind of uh, politics.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable calling them champion socialists. No. Because I don't think they're as center as that. The, the, they're they're in between that sort of those boundaries, which what is what I find really unique about the SDLP. There is I, I think it goes again with their party, they're they're willing to compromise and be pragmatic on those sorts of issues. And then I I know I know the whole point of beyond NI is so not to not talk about the nationalism and Unionism question all the time, but I think I also must state when we're when we're talking about the SDLP, um maybe their electorate. I think one of the core reasons why their electorate doesn't maybe vote for Sinn Féin, um, or that they prefer to vote for the SDLP, is the the use of armed violence that occurred during the Troubles, yeah. in the support of the IRA. Um, we're not going to linger too much on that point. I don't. I don't think, Matt. Unless you want to say anything extra on that issue, I, but I just want to make it clear.
1: I, no, I mean I, I agree. I think that. I mean, look, we have to. At the end of the day, we live in Northern Ireland. You can't, Pretend like that's not an issue, and then that, that you know national national questions aren't going to be um, a part of these discussions, and addressing them is better than just pretending they're not there. At the end of the day, even though we, we want to keep the main focus on other things, we're, we're obviously going to talk about that sometimes. Uh, but I think it does go on to another issue, which maybe like do you think the fact that the SDLP had this kind of the fact that they they were a legitimate political party for a lot longer than Sinn Féin. I mean, that, that probably kind of hurt them. In, ter- in terms of like the way that we had like populist kind of change in party politics in Ireland, Um, where you had like Sinn Féin and DUP come in quite quickly, that kind of legitimacy that SDLP had by participating in a system that a lot of people in Northern Ireland would have viewed as being illegitimate. So maybe that's why they yeah. lost some of their... Well,
0: yeah, I I, I do see how they would have lost voters that way. But I I find it funny then when after the Good Friday Agreement where both sides thought, okay, well, this is the system that is acceptable. Then, and then their voters turned. Yeah. But if we're we're maybe looking at present day a bit more, I think we might see that change a little bit. After we've seen the frustration that was the three-year deadlock up at Stormont and politicians not being able to sit and obviously with Sinn Féin not taking seats up in Westminster as their abstentionist policy is during the most crucial time that is the Brexit negotiations and having no real nationalist party that was engaging with the British government in Westminster by elected officials and that the SDLP are the only nationalist party that are willing to take their seats. I think that might attract more voters who, who recognise that while they don't necessarily agree with, the, with Northern Ireland being part of the United Kingdom, having that ability to have some voice in a system that they recognise they are a part of, and electing those MPs, such as uh, the, the leader of the party, Over, and Claire Hanna. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if we'll see a greater turnout for votes for them in the next election. I think
1: that's completely possible considering the fact that they're they're also very well-liked. Obviously, they, they seem to get a lot of good press. Um, to touch on maybe John Hume as well, do you have much to say on him? Because I think he's obviously quite a vital figure to SDLP and talking about them, you kind of go to talk about him as well. Do you know I think?
0: Definitely. John was a a visionary, a man who really did stand up for the people of uh, Derry, the North, Northern Ireland, whatever you want to call it. Um, one of the one of the main inspirations of this site, what they come from, John, as in the famous quote of, you can't eat a flag. And I think well, it really... It. Yeah, it's, it's it's the bread and butter, I think, <laughs> of most modern, younger people in this part of the world. Well, it's while we care about that issue. At the end of the day, it's not always the most important. There's other issues that come by, the bread and butter of daily life, the economic, the social... The things that really keep us going as humans, you know. Um, so I I'd just like to say that uh, as, as a team, of Beyond be on that Mary, John King, a legend, oh, yeah. um, and a lot of yeah, that's um, th- th- there's very few politicians where I, I personally can just say I can just gush over because he, he is Not one of them, like, and, yeah. The, and it, for anybody who knows me, they know that I don't share all the similar views as John. But with a lot of respect, it has to go out to him. It really does.
1: Yeah. I think whenever I, like whenever, whenever we were watching, like lockdown and seeing, or not lock uh, the government kind of uh, stoppage for three years. Uh, I think the and the, the kind of conversations that went on around that and the way that a lot of. Uh, the politics just seem to kind of disintegrate in this country. I, I think John Hume was kind of a someone you could look towards and be like, well, there was someone who, who like years and years ago was so much better than this kind of politics who was around Northern Ireland and we just don't seem to be able to sometimes live up to that uh, legacy that he left, possibly.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're hard shoes to fill, but I, I have to say, I think the likes of Colin Eastwood and I think we should talk about this, how good of a leader he has been for the SDLP. Really? Topping oh. the, yeah, topping the lucid talk polls there uh, as the most favourite leader within uh, within Stormont, or within the Northern Irish political scene, as should I say. Uh, Why do you think, Matt, that uh, what has been so successful or so well-liked across the board uh, for the public?
1: Um, I think, well, we, we've touched on it before once where he's, the, the fact that he's not, and the fact that he's an MP who's away means that he does have a, that kind of thing of the a, a farther away you are, the, the less you're probably going to get criticized for certain things. And he's not necessarily associated with um, certain Stormont issues that a lot of other politicians can be. Uh, in terms of Stormont feelings, you don't really associate those with Colm because he's not in Stormont right now. So, so it's difficult to actually blame him for those things. No, definitely, I think that he's... he's all, I don't want to take away from him because he is a brilliant politician, but at the same time, maybe compare him with someone like Michelle O'Neill, I think he he kind of just looks good in terms of the fact that he's not messing up on various things. He's a very well-spoken guy. He's able to deal with uh, conflict and talking to other people very well in a way that doesn't kind of anger other people. You know, I, I very rarely think of Paul Macewood and think of him, you know, taking jabs at people or, speaking in a way where he tries to get into fights, or um, effectively just trying to try, uh, start something with people in a political scene where you'd rather see people try to work together. Um, I think Colin Neese was probably a pretty good example of that at the end of the day, but then at the same time, he's a good politician, He, he he's a good public speaker, he holds himself well. I, I think he's just in general, just a very easy guy to like at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, you don't, you, don't, you don't always see Holland getting into these really robust arguments. He, he can't be critical of uh, certain politicians. And I think he's been very critical recently of, uh, not to date this podcast, but of Sinn Féin's handling over the small COVID business payments, where free Sinn Féin accounts received £10,000 grant that was originally for small businesses, which political parties and offices were exempt from. It took seven months for Sinn Féin to, to pay back these payments once they have been reported about two weeks ago by The Northern Show. And that's caused um, quite an upset within the ranks. And, you know, I feel Colin's very good at reading the scene and choosing when to be critical and giving a proportionate response. It's not like with... The best way I, I can explain it on how Colm Eastwood would, would tackle his political rivals, he's timely with it, but he doesn't linger too much on it. While I would seek within unionism when it comes to attacking Sinn Féin, they'll keep going for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they sound like a broken record until the time when you're like, can you move on? Like, it's been, what, four months, five months since the Bobby Story funeral when, uh, from this recording, and there's still unionist politicians banging on about it. And I'm like, yes, I know it's it's still a, a point that can be made, but... You know, it's the public have largely forgotten about it to some extent. I think it's not just
1: that the public forgot about it, I think it's just the fact that, I mean, how long are you meant to stay angry group people about, you know, stuff like that? Why, like, you know, just move on? And the political class just kind of see it as like, well, it's a good place to to point score, and point scoring kind of feels like a very big thing amongst uh, DUP and Sinn Féin politicians, and it doesn't in fact the UEP at times as well. But I feel like the SDLP doesn't. Mm. I mean, that's probably not. I feel like Colin Eastwood doesn't go around points scoring all the time, which I quite like about him. He doesn't seem to be. No, going I, think he, I
0: think he's more tactful about it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, more, more in taste about it.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you think looking forward, does Sinn Féin need to kind of tackle kind of the younger voter base, though? Do they have enough of a young platform?
0: I think Sinn Féin are always going to attract a certain element of the electorate with ease. Um, I think. Now, this is a problem for both the SDLP and the UUP is differentiating themselves from their rivals.
1: Yeah.
0: And while while the SDLP do have a growing um, young electorate, uh, they will be mostly perceived, I think, it's fair to say, as soft nationalists. And this is where the SDLP have their major problem here, is if you are a soft nationalist, but you could also dip into being slightly agnostic about the national question. You then have Alliance right there, very, very similar in its ideological outlook, both very left-wing parties. You could easily flip-flop between those two. Now, if the national question gets more important for you, then why wouldn't you just go for Sinn Féin who are so, you know, so rabid about it and also have the party structures down south as well. So you would then have an extended, um, Opportunities as a party member to meet others across the island, while the SDLP is only in the north. So I think I think there's the two main issues for the SDLP, and then if we're talking theoretics and going on about what happens in the case of Northern Ireland, where does the SDLP stand as a party? Does it even exist anymore? Yeah. So I, there's a lot of questions for the SDLP there to really focus and think on. Now, if you take the UUP. You know, they just need to differentiate themselves from the DUP. Not so much as Alliance, because of the difference within the ideology there. They need the answer how they want to go in that ideolo- ideological outlook. But uh, with the SDLP, you know, you could copy and paste their manifesto at times. It's, it's that similar.
1: Yeah. Um, then does that take you into the good point of, like, does that mean maybe them merging with a party from the South is kind of a good... Avenue to take for them to differentiate themselves. Or not even the fact that they're differentiating themselves, but they're going with kind of they're finding a way to compete on a different ground if they were to unite themselves with a certain party in the South. Matt, wow, that's a fantastic segue. I don't it <laughs> that's these
0: segues, like, huh? like uh, Yeah, I know. That's I a, know. that's Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan-esque, I would say. Oh gee, I'm far better than that, man.
1: Thank you very much. That is.
0: I expect Uh, Bill Burr in the last. Thank you very much. Bill Burr. (laughs) Yeah, so when it comes to the SDLP, there has been talks and rumours of a Fianna Foil merger, which is, I think it's a very strange one, if I'm being honest. Fianna FOIL claim themselves to be a centre-left party. I think any real analysis shows that they're more centre-right. And I think we've seen splits within the SDLP. I know notably Claire Hanna has said that she is not comfortable with a Fianna foil merger. And she would, if the SDLP was to merge with anybody, it would merge itself with the Labour Party down south in the event of the United Ireland or any future talks of uh, cross-party cooperation. So I'm wondering, as in, where is the the plight of the Liberal Unionists? The question could be flipped to. What is the plight of a more centre slash right-wing nationalist go in the north? Does the SDLP take them? Is that, is that where they go?
1: That'll be disappointing somewhat in terms of where you feel like they could go right now. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably pretty realistic. I think it's probably more of a... That'll be more of a win for being a foil, you know, I think, other than for SDLP. I, I feel like that'll be... Because obviously they have to compete now with Sinn Féin on an all-Ireland basis. Yeah. So now a lot of some, they get to say like, oh, we have people in the North. We have elected officials in the North. Um, even though they SDLP officials previously, now they're ours, so therefore look we're fighting for United Ireland through this kind of political representation in the in the north, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it would be it would be really interesting to see how that would work on an all island basis if you had SDLP merge with FENAFOIL, would they would they lose their SDLP imagery and just simply be a merger? Or would it be there in cross party cooperation? Would they follow the same web? You know, it's there. There's a lot of different questions to be asked there. No, I, I I just want to point out for listener clarity, I am no expert in the manifesto and the operations of Fenafoil. Only a couple of Irish Times articles I'm relying on. <laughs> so take take maybe some of this analysis of a pinch of salt. But yeah, I, it would be it would be an interesting one to say the least. Yeah,
1: completely. I mean, I, I do feel like it. I, I find it hard to believe how most of the MLAs for SDLP would go from being under their current kind of ideology to them being whipped under Fina Foyle's uh, ideology. Because I, I just don't know how, you, I mean, look, they're politicians at the other day, so changing opinions is part of the brief, I suppose. But actually seeing how a party would take such a radical transition in, in one step would be hard to imagine and hard to reconcile unless they went for a complete rebrand and did maybe move in different MLAs to run in these places and I, I don't know. It would be a very difficult organizational issue as well if it were to happen. Definitely,
0: definitely. Or here the opposite could happen and they make the and they make phenophyll and we're left. That uh, that's,
1: <laughs> that's like whenever the life devs went have tried to change the Tories and got <laughs> absolutely wiped out. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's right. I think I think we've covered all our topics there for for the SDLP. Do you have any closing remarks maybe you want to add Matt or any other subjects you want to bring up?
1: Um on the SDLP. in your personal (laughs) opinion? uh, what were you gonna
0: say? I I feel like that reaction sums up the SDLP pretty well for some (laughs) people, just a sigh. Oh
1: yeah. (laughs) That's really sometimes definitely. Um in your personal opinion, do you feel they are too close to Sinn Féin on an ideological level to feel like they've actually differentiated themselves to an electorate?
0: In terms of left or right? Yeah. No. In terms of nationalism, yes. I feel and like I think, they had
1: nationalism, yeah.
0: I think that's the clearest way to really go into that. While they might appear more left and storming at the moment, in maybe the larger social circles and the events they attend, probably not. But until we can monitor that, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, left to right, no, they're 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 quite similar and in terms of in, in terms of nationalism, yeah, I think they've differentiated themselves fairly well in that regard. Yeah. And suppose for this
1: is this is kind of where you have this issue where the proportional representation system that we have, where it feels like every small subset of society sometimes just gets too party's somewhat too specialized to them so they can't actually figure out how you like gain votes in a system like ours can be quite difficult because there's already a party there who's specialized to take those votes away from you like you were talking about with them oh if they want to go a little bit towards being centrist oh well or centrist on the national question oh life's already there if they want to go a little bit more hard on the national question well chimpanzo already there you know it feels like if they want to go pure socialist oh well ppt's already there it's like, where do you actually gain votes in this system? Sometimes it's quite difficult to see.
0: Yeah, it's it's they're, they're niche subcategories that are.
1: Yeah. Ugh,
0: you once you've locked into it, it's hard to it's hard to expand on that, or you just hope the electorate swings massively in your favor. Really? I okay, know. I think I think that wraps up today's episode on the SDLP. I thought hopefully, you learned something interesting and new there, and I think there were some good discussions on the future of the SDLP and. How they or where they've come from so i just want to say thanks for listening i really appreciate it um views are going up engagements going up across all the socials i would like it to be a bit more so tell your friends please i didn't (laughs) work six months on this just to have 40 people follow it (laughs) (laughs) would be great if a few more of you hit that follow
1: button just saying (laughs) james turns into kim kardashian trying to get all his likes up
0: I want at least a million followers by the end of the year okay if I don't get that I'll be a wee bit livid
1: (laughs) as anyway thanks very
0: much for listening